Chapter Seven of Mark Twain and the Happy Island by Elizabeth Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by John Greenman. Chapter Seven, Battleships and Society. One day, three English cruisers came into the harbor. The next evening, Mister Clemens received a charming letter from the chaplain of one of them. A letter which pleased him much because of its quaint phrasing. Here it is in part. Dear Dr. Clemens, I understand we are cousins, and in a closer sense than that you are American and I English. Your dear mother is sister to my, to me, dearer mother. I am jealous that my alma mater was forestalled by Oxford in adopting you. I regret also that the exigencies of the service prevented my being in Oxford, in fact England, to assist those who desired to do you honor. Think you that we might square yards in some way? May I suggest a way? What if you did us the honor to lunch on board the battleship on Monday or Tuesday? Does that appeal to your sense of humor? If not, will you let us touch that whole-hearted generosity of yours and come? We won't ask you to say anything funny, but will, if you will honor us, show you as much of the ship as you might wish to see, and do our best not to bore you too much. I have a confession to make. My conscience compels me. Here it is. Fleet Surgeon F. and I made a pilgrimage yesterday to your present shrine to do you homage. We had one golden opportunity when you were smoking your breakfast cigar on the terrace of the hotel, but being the shyest of a shy race, or let me say the kindest of our kind, uh, we refrained from taking advantage of your only moment of isolation to attack you and achieve the object of our visit. The letter went on to name days and hours when Mr. Clemens might favor them, and wound up with, I must apologize for the length of this invitation. My excuse is that it is not so much an invitation as a humble petition from two. Grateful admirers in chief. Of course Mr. Clemens went, and had a beautiful time, and made a speech that made them rock with laughter, and then furtively wipe away tears. The chaplain told us about it afterwards. This is the way we knew and mr clemens also told the chaplain about his friends so that a boat was sent for us and we had afternoon tea on board the chaplain had a hospitable soul as well as a grateful pen and the happy gift of speech so that he made a royal good host we saw the six hundred men of the battleship stand up in straight military lines on the forward deck and answer to roll-call then the shore-leave men scrambled down into their boats held up their oars in perfect vertical lines, dropped them at the word of command, and rowed off cheerily to have a respectable British orgy in the staid town of the island. Then we, in our turn, scrambled down to our boat. The crew gave a cheer for Mr. Clemens, and as the launch moved away, we waved lingering farewells to the old gray cruiser. Almost all social functions, and there were many on the island, Mr. Clemens escaped. Once in a while he was persuaded to go to an afternoon tea. These were very popular. 
on these occasions innumerable kinds of rich cake were served in such reckless profusion and with such pressing hospitality that dinner was completely wrecked but when we were all invited to a west indian pepper-pot luncheon we eagerly accepted our hostess was not a born islander but as fourteen or fifteen winters had sheltered her on the happy isles she was an adopted daughter besides she knew how pepper-pot was made and this added to other charms made her quite irresistible she laughingly told us that pepper-pot was best on sunday for it was a heathen dish its origin was clothed in mystery it takes three or four days to cook pepper-pot but when it is done it is a worthy creation dark rich heterogeneous with an unanalyzable flavor it possesses an apparently mild flavor until you have half finished your dishful then it begins to burn insidiously first your tongue then your palate then your throat until you feel gently aflame it is not a wholly unpleasant sensation and we all ate bravely mr clemens remarked when the silence of discovery had first fallen upon us this would be a very good dish if it had a little pepper in it we all smiled humidly and furtively wiped our eyes after luncheon some curious neighbors came in to call and among them was one who did not win the affection of any of us nor of mr clemens whom she particularly wished to impress we had an opportunity then of seeing mr clemens tactics he had a wonderful way of suddenly disappearing of slipping into space of melting into a misty background when he wished to escape a person who bored him that was the perfection of art sometimes when circumstances prevented this disappearance of his physical self he nevertheless absented himself mentally so that the undesired one felt all at once that he was talking to the unanswering air withal mr clemens always remained courteous and dignified and never for an instant conveyed the thought of rudeness indeed we never saw him angry or impatient except when he could not find a match-box in his pocket or when his waitress failed to bring him his bacon grilled as he liked it even then he was simply whimsical in his wrath the great disturbances usually found him calm and philosophical mr clemens cared nothing for the excursions that were sometimes proposed to visit some object of interest he used to say that he had probably seen the oldest house in the world the longest street the biggest city the most wonderful cathedral the highest mountain so why should he bother himself now in his old age to see second-rate curiosities so he showed no interest in crystal caves nor natural bridges nor coral gardens but he loved to sit on the veranda and drink in the changing beauty of sky and sea or to take long drives under cedar arches or over palm-shaded roads that ended suddenly in the surf he never played golf that we knew of but he was exceedingly fond of billiards it was a pretty sight to see him teaching his little girl friends to play and encouraging them by letting them beat him 
in the evening we often used to play cards in his room the only game we ever played was hearts mr clemens usually prefaced the game by saying to mr rogers in a tone of kindly remonstrance now i sincerely hope you are not going to make any display of your disagreeable disposition tonight do try to show us some pleasant sides of your character mr rogers with a perfectly serious face replied in the same vein and this was kept up throughout the evening so skillfully that the other two never grew weary on the contrary we were convulsed with silent mirth they mr clemens and mr rogers each had a theory that the other would be a hopeless outcast were it not for his regenerating influence they assumed a high moral and didactic manner when they reasoned with one another sometimes however there was a sweet gravity in their intercourse and that was at such moments as when mr clemens read macandrew's prayer and mr rogers listened with a moisture in his eyes to the beautiful pathos of his friend's voice end of chapter seven battleships and society read by john greenman